Is debt keeping you from reaching your dreams? Then maybe it's time to break up with your credit cards and divorce your debt. It doesn't have to be as painful as it sounds. In fact, your journey to becoming debt-free can be joyful. In this episode, Terry and I talked to financial coach Katie Almstrom, who coaches women who are ready to pay off debt through simple strategies that help lower the stress around money and involves the family in creating a future that's debt-free. Hi, and welcome to this episode of Brainy Moms. I'm Dr. Amy Moore, here with my co-host, Terry Miller, coming to you today from Colorado Springs, Colorado. Our guest today is Katie Almstrom. Katie is a financial coach, teacher, and speaker who works with driven women who are ready to pay off their debt and create a sustainable future that includes simple strategies so they can reach their goals and live out their dreams. With over a decade of experience in teaching and coaching combined with her own debt-free journey and simplified life, Katie provides a unique service for her clients to help them slow down, map out their own joyful debt-free journey, and create a life that has way less stress around money. So glad to have you here, Katie. Welcome. Thank you so much. So glad to be here. Good. Well, I would love to hear, I would love for you to tell our listeners a little bit about your personal story and um, what brought you into the world of financial coaching. Awesome. So it's actually, it's a funny story. I was a high school Latin teacher for almost 15 years. And when I started telling people I was going to be a financial coach, they were all like, but wait, you're our like one Latin teacher that we know. And (laughs) how are you? What financial coaching? So it was a very difficult transition for a lot of people who knew me, who know me. Um, But the story is when I graduated from college and was getting, you know, my, my feet under me with my first teaching jobs, I really got very stressed out around money. It started with the credit cards that I took out in college because they handed them out like candy. The student loans that I had, I got LASIK eye surgery um, probably a few years after I graduated. And that combined with my teacher's income, my bad habits in general, just with my health. I mean, I was just really not doing a lot of things well. And I, I hit sort of a rock bottom moment with my boyfriend at the time, who's now my husband, um, and really realized I needed to make a change if I wanted to, well, stay with him, number one. And it's a long story, but um, he was right. <laughs> and so I really just decided I, I have to do this. And so I did. I paid off nearly $40,000 in debt over the course of a couple of years, um, And that really was a catalyst for quite a transformation in my life. My experience at work changed. My relationships changed. And by change, I mean improved. My health improved. I just, I was building that trust in myself. I was building that faith in myself that life gets better. um, Life gets easier. And it just felt really amazing to have that that experience, that transformation. And so that actually stayed top of mind for over a decade as I went through my teaching um, career. And when my babies were young, I've got two kids, they're almost seven and four and a half. When they were young, I 
had had it with my teaching job. I was overworked. I loved teaching. I loved coaching, but I just, it was too much. I wasn't home enough. And so the transition to coming home, starting a business, it was a natural shift for me. I grew up with entrepreneurs for parents and the the money thing, helping people with money was always something I'd wanted to do. So it felt very obvious and natural to me, but it was definitely a shock to the people who knew me in my life. Like, what? <laughs> no more Latin. <laughs> um, that it's a huge difference. Whoops, it's a huge difference. So um, we were surprised too to know that you were doing a totally different career, and so that makes perfect sense, though. Like why it was so, it, why you made that transition because it was so important to you. Um, it's interesting you made a comment that in college they were handing out credit cards and credit card applications like candy. Um, when I was in grad school, I actually got a group of us together, wrote a letter to the president of our university, asking them to take the credit card applications out of the classrooms. Because by having credit card applications in classrooms, it looked like they were supporting the idea that, hey, students, you can get pre-approved or you can get a free credit card, even though half of you don't even have jobs to pay them off. And so I made that mistake. I I got a credit card as a freshman in college. I ruined my credit as a freshman in college because I charged up my credit card, but didn't have a job because I was a full-time student. And so it wasn't until like I went back to grad school and thought, you know what? We could stop this. We could, And so they did. They published it in the newspaper, the, the uh, college's newspaper. The president wrote us back. And um, although they left the credit card applications in the student union and in the lounges, they did take them out of the classrooms. Um, That's incredible. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Anyway. Um, Okay. So you say, we're getting back to you now, Katie. Um, You say (laughs) that we can create a sustainable debt-free journey that is joyful. (laughs) <laughs> so I'm super intrigued by the promise that it can be joyful. So tell us more. Okay. Well, here's what I believe. If you are stressed about money right now, for whatever reason, going on a path that is going to move you away from that stress should be more joyful than where you are currently. And the reason for that is because that path, those steps forward should include getting really crystal clear about what is actually the most important thing in my life? So the bulk of people I talk to, the majority, the bulk, the majority of people that I talk to, when they're stressed about debt, their number one sort of thing that they say to me that they think I want to hear is, well, I know I need to pay off my debt. And I mean, yes, that is a worthy goal. Totally. That is something to work towards. But If that is the number one priority, or if you are treating it as if it is the number one priority, what actually matters in your life is not getting taken care of. Um, If we pay off debt in, you know, in spite of, well, I guess if we're paying off debt and we are leaving the actual priority behind that priority, whether it's your marriage or maybe um, one of your kids has uh, something going on medically maybe just your your house is in disrepair and that is a stressor. I mean, there's something that is always more important than paying off debt is what I believe in our lives. And so if we can stop acting like 
we have to pay off debt and completely avoid everything else that's important until that's done. That's the non-sustainable. That's the not joyful path that a lot of people go on that they think they're supposed to go on and stop at nothing until the debt is paid off. So I see the sustainable journey. I see the joyful journey as we're crystal clear about what's most important, whether it's right now, our family, our health, our kids, our marriage, and putting that in the plan first and foremost. Okay. So now already you have more confidence in your ability to spend money in alignment with your life. Um, you feel better that the most important thing is being taken care of on a consistent basis. And I believe, and I've heard this said recently by a couple of coaches that I've worked with, and I think it's so beautiful, you experience the outcome the same way you experience the journey. So if we become debt-free after a hard, really contentious journey, that is exactly how you're going to experience debt freedom. You're still going to argue about money. You're still not going to know what's okay to spend money on. You're still going to feel those, those tightnesses, those, the, the restrictions around money. Money mindset won't change. It's just sort of a, a ledger difference, if you will. Um, but we really have to transform from the inside out our habits, our behaviors, our beliefs, our faith in ourselves, our trust in ourselves. And so that is the sustainable part. That's the joyful part. Um, and that's really, truly what's going to allow us to then have that joyful debt freedom is if we experience it on the way, the exact same way we want to experience it when we get there. Mm-hmm. It sounds like, I guess I'm listening to you. I'm picturing, yeah, that debt keeps me um, like uh, shackled, like chained so that I am, I am chained to that debt. I'm shackled to that debt. And so even if I have priorities and things I'm excited about in life, I'm not able to make them priorities because I'm so shackled to that debt. And so even if I don't realize that I think, oh, I'm joyful, that that's still, that's subduing the, the joyfulness, the freedom that I could have because I'm, I'm not able to live in a priority way because I'm, I'm stuck in it. Yeah. And, you know, certainly there are extremes. I mean, sometimes people are so burdened by debt that they truly don't have the resources to do. It feels like anything outside of pay their mortgage, pay their bills. And so there are certainly extremes. But what I often find is that what is more shackling is this mindset that I'm in debt and I really can't seem to stop using the credit card. And so what's the point of paying off debt if I don't actually know how to stop using debt? And so it's this cycle. It's a story that we tell ourselves that it's always going to be this way. I'm just, this is just my life. This is just my income, right? We just kind of settle into that. And a lot of times that, um, that manifests as, well, I'm going to go make myself feel better about this situation by spending money, getting takeout, shopping, right? So it's this vicious cycle where what I find is so, and my own personal experience is when I was really stressed out with four maxed out credit cards and really just very limited um, freedom wiggle room, I would go to the outlet mall 
every weekend. Like I had a circuit that I would, you know, all the same stores, I'd hit the Starbucks. Um, and that was my routine. And as I found my way out of debt, and as I really changed sort of how I felt about money, and I created more confidence and excitement in myself about my future, that happened less and less and less. And there was, I, I didn't want to go. I mean, it was just, it was totally a byproduct of that stress. So I just anecdotally, like, I thought that was such an interesting um, shift in me. And I see that in a lot of my clients too, habits that just sort of vanish once they really feel like they've got that clarity about what to do next with their money. So great. So good. Yeah. Tell me, tell us about what beliefs and mindset um, need to change or what's necessary to really get into that and step into that um, debt-free journey? So I think there's a couple of things. Um, One for sure is that it's not going to happen overnight. And there will certainly be sort of bumps or obstacles along the way. So it is so crucial that we do have that trust or that faith that doing the right thing enough times is going to give us the result that we want in the future. And so even if it feels challenging, and certainly I just said it should be joyful, right? But it will be challenging too. Like it's, I, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Um, there, there will be a month when it feels like I can't make any progress at all. But the first thing I like to do with my clients is find a way to get through the month without using new debt. And that's a win in and of itself. So even if it feels like, well, I'm not moving the needle, I'm not paying off debt this month, that's okay if you are continuing to operate without new debt. That's okay if something big comes up and you're able to deal with it in the moment and not just push it aside and say, I'll put that on payments or I'll take out a new credit card or, you know, when we are mature and deal with life as it happens, not only does it reduce our stress because we're not, you know, over sensationalizing what's going on. We're not thinking about it. We're just dealing with it. And then it's gone. It's done. That is such a win because then we, again, build up that confidence that when I'm debt free, I'm going to be able to take life in stride. I'm going to be able to use my resources that I have in the moment appropriately. And I'll know, I'll, I'll, I'll know what that priority is. I'll know what really needs to be paid for first and not feel like I have to do a dozen things at once, which I find is really common. We're just trying to put out all the fires all the time because we don't actually know what's the most important thing to handle right now um, and what can wait for later. So how do you decide what's the most important thing? <laughs> good. Yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> okay. um, well, if you are married, that's going to require a conversation, um, really open communication about what do we feel like is most important right now. Um, after 2020, my blanket response to most people is if you don't feel like you can get through a couple of months of your basic expenses, if you don't have that in savings, that would be the most important thing is to find a way to save some money. And so what I see a lot of people are doing inadvertently, or they are emotionally responding to a credit card that 
you know, they feel really badly about a student loan that's pissing them off, you know, they will take any extra money that they think they have in their checking account and throw it at the credit card or split the difference, put some towards the student loan, some towards the credit card. And so there's no real focus there. And then at the end of the month, they realize, well, I didn't have a plan. And now I've kind of overspent by paying off debt. And now we have to use the credit card again. And so if we can just say for a few months, just pay the minimums on everything and build up some savings so that I know if an, a small emergency comes up, I can take care of it. If you know I lose my income for six weeks, I can take care of it. And you're not going to create more of a void, um, add more debt in those kinds of circumstances. So having a little bit of proper savings is first. Another thing I see is a marriage that's really rocky. And people, you know, they think, well, it's because of the debt. So we have to pay off the debt, have to pay off the debt, have to pay off the debt. And that's what's going to help us. Um, when in fact, we need to prioritize our communication first, our time together first. And sometimes just having someone give permission to just leave the debt alone for a little bit. Let's make sure that, you know, we're not in that circumstance where, absolutely every dollar has to go to debt. So maybe we call the credit card companies, maybe we find a way to, you know, simplify what we're spending money on. So we have a little bit of a cushion. How do we just sort of break down what we're doing and make it so that in a period of three months, we know that the basic bills are going to be covered and we make time for us or, you know, again, like the, a kid dealing with something medically, a pet that's really been struggling, anything that just seems like a weight in your life that you keep kind of pushing to the side. And every time you think of it, wondering, how am I going to pay for this? Like, let's make that the priority right now. It's, it's really hard to answer that question without a lot, you know, this is very nuanced. It's not cookie cutter, sure. but those are some of the really common things that I see. So I know in a lot of marriages, one one person takes care of the finances. Um, and it's typically the person who doesn't have an emotional attachment to the finances, you know, where the, as the other person is too emotionally attached, can't handle the stress of the monthly finances and just says, okay, you do it. So what I'm hearing you say is communication is so important. Um, how do you start that conversation when only one of you is in charge of finances, but you need to be on the same page? That's, that's a big question. Help us, please. <laughs> that is a big question. So I'll start by saying that opposites attract. And so that kind of a relationship where maybe one likes to do the budget, one doesn't. One likes to spend, one likes to save. Like that's super common. And so first and foremost, let's understand that about each other that's where this communication piece comes in like let's talk about money in a way that isn't so charged whatever you feel about money however you behave with money like let's not make that wrong but let's be very open with each other about what our tendencies are and so therefore uh-oh have we lost her yeah she froze uh-oh I didn't know if it was just my, on my end. Okay. Technical. What are in this marriage? Um, I still Katie, hear you guys. Can you hear me? Yeah. Can you start your can you hear me? sentence? 
Can you hear us? Yep. Can you hear me again? Yeah. Can you start okay. your full sentence over and then I'll just cut out that awkwardness in the middle. In <laughs> we sure. don't we can't see to... you, but we see your picture. So that's okay. Yeah. yeah I, I, yeah, I turned off the video because okay. I, I thought that might be it. Yeah. Um, sorry. I'm trying to remember what I was saying. Oh, um, so yeah. you said um, that just know that no matter what you believe about money, which partner believes which, that that's oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But, and yeah, try to so, understand each other. Yes. So I think a really important thing for couples to do is have that conversation about, about money where we talk about what were some of our early experiences? What are our beliefs about money? How, how do we think about money? How do we feel about money? And that's what's going to inform kind of what are our roles here in this marriage? So I strongly believe that when you're married, it's, it's our money. Um, you know, income all goes into one pot. And we as a couple have a plan for how we're moving forward as a household, as a family. That said, you do not each have to put the budget together every month. You do not have to, you know, track every single expense equally. So the the quote unquote burden of the finances and keeping track of things, that's usually going to fall to the person who wants to do it. Um, And certainly there are some circumstances where neither person wants to do it. And that's where we work together to find a solution that, you know, it's a, it's a workaround. It's something that you can reliably do on a regular basis to stay on track. But a lot of times I talk to women and they really feel they feel like they don't know how to take that first step with their spouse if money hasn't always been an easy topic of conversation. And so what I recommend is, you know, think about something and really truly turn inward here. Be vulnerable. Think about something that you can do differently, a way that you can maybe change a behavior or a habit, something small, but something meaningful and go to your spouse And simply say, look, I've been thinking, and this is something that I want to do differently because I feel like it would really help us moving forward financially. I think this would be really good for for me, for us, for our household. And so for the next 30 days, I really want to commit to this new thing. Will you support me? Will you encourage me? And that's it. There's no... And I think you should, (laughs) you know, there's no expectation of um, reciprocation. You are just simply going into this vulnerably and sharing how you want to be the role model, how you want to sort of pave the way for your family. And that is a lot easier said than done. I realize this, but um, it is, it is a hard first step. That is a really important first step. I think for a lot of people trying to get this communication piece rolling. So let me ask the part B to that question. It's really hard to disappoint your children by saying, no, you can't have that because we can't afford that. Or if you're making changes in your finances, it's just a difficult conversation to have with your kids. So what advice do you have for how to get those conversations going? So I tell my kids no all the time, um, even if we can't afford something. 
And here's the thing, saying, no, we can't afford it, that is language that you should remove altogether as parents. Instead, let's say, we're not going to spend our money on that. We're choosing instead to spend it on this. So as a family, you always, always, always want to have something special that you are choosing to spend money on. Um, It might be your Friday night pizza and movie. It might be a weekend trip at grandma's, it, whatever the case is, there's, there's, there does need to be something that they can wrap their heads around that. Yes, we are choosing to spend money on, on me, on the family altogether, but we're not going to spend it on, you know, this toy at the grocery store or this extravagant, you know, something else over here. So I really, and a lot of that too comes with just as parents, the confidence that everything is a choice and that simpler, a simpler lifestyle is better. I I guess I'm a hard one to ask about this because I have no qualms telling my kids no. Gosh, I tell them no all the time. (laughs) And I really just think the more you can frame it in a way that's, of course, I understand you want this toy. Of course, I understand you want to do this. But we're like, we're not choosing to spend our money that way. You know, you, you are more than capable when you're older to earn your own money, make your own choices, but modeling that early on that we don't just get whatever we want, especially if we can't afford it. Let's say you do, and I have no idea what the example here is, but let's say you do take your kids to the water park and the entire $1,800 goes on the credit card. The amount of stress and anxiety that your kids will feed off of you or feel, you know, emanating from you on the way during the trip, on the way home, the weeks after the trip, and compound that with all the other times that you said yes when you should have said no. It's it's not, you know, it, it's way better that we're saying no in the first place. It's kind of like the the extra desserts or, you know, the junk food, the stuff that they shouldn't be eating. Every time we say no, you're just reinforcing, let's eat healthy food, or you're reinforcing, let's, you know, let's do something that's better for our bodies that is going to make us feel good, that's going to set you up for things down the road. And I'm not saying never have the dessert. Oh my gosh, no. We stayed up way too late getting ice cream last night with my kids. But um, I think it's just that same mindset of we don't need to feel badly because we're saying no because the kids don't need to know it's, we can't afford it. It's we're choosing differently because this is healthier for our family. That was long winded. Oh, I loved it. I loved (laughs) every word. Um, That was the best piece of advice. I think we've heard on this show. Um, Yeah. It's, Yeah. It's that idea of, again, like prioritizing, like not, I don't have to be shackled to the idea that no, we can't afford it. It's just a different priority. And so there's a freedom and a lightness. It doesn't have to be this sorrowful, no, buddy, I'm sorry. We just can't afford that. It can be this lighthearted, oh gosh, that toy looks really cool, but we're going to spend our money on something else. Cause remember we have this trip coming up and I bet we're going to be able to go out to eat when we go on that trip. And so we're going to use our money that way. And I so this, yeah, this forward thinking positive, I'm like, wow, mind blown. This is so great. I can well, and that's the thing. Oh, sorry to interrupt, but that's oh, the yeah. thing too. You know, when you start to 
plan ahead. Here's how we're going to spend our money in October or November, you know, whatever month is coming up. When you do that planning, now you actually have a figure, you have a number for family entertainment or eating out. And so you can even give your kids the choice. If they say, hey, we really want to go do this thing this weekend, say, great, we can do that, but we're going to have to skip pizza next weekend. How's that sound? I mean, it's just a choice. It's so empower it empowers our kids yeah. to, to make wise choices, to be aware. I think we so often keep our kids in the dark about money. And so they're just not aware, but this empowers them to be aware and understand that in the adult world, that's what we're doing constantly is balancing those choices. It's so good. Yeah, that's right. And with any, you know, any aspects of parenting done with intention, done with love, done in a way that is, you know, truly trying to show your kids a way that is not going to overwhelm them in the future, is not going to um, destroy their health or their finances. No kid is going to look back and say, oh man, I wish my mom had bought me every single toy I ever asked for. I mean, it's just, it's one of those things where when I talk to clients, a lot of times it'll be couples One will say, you know, my parents really talked about money and taught me about money growing up, but my spouse, it wasn't that way. And they have a spending problem or they're afraid to invest in this or they're, you know, all the stories. And so that kind of structure, those boundaries that we can set as parents and that framework, that mindset that we always have a choice and we as a family get to set what the priority is, what's important to us and live in alignment with that, that is so important. So if you as a family make traveling or camping or doing certain things together, the priority and you spend money on it and you do that thing, your kids will pick up on that. So really defining that priority, I can't stress that enough. So good again about yeah choices, about priorities. That's the freedom. That's beautiful. So you have a free resource for our listeners. It's called Nine Ways to Break Up with Your Credit Cards. I love that concept. (laughs) Break it up with you. Okay, I'm done. (laughs) And so um, before we talk about some of those specific things you mentioned, why would we consider it? Why should I consider saying I'm done with you? I'm going to break up with you. So (laughs) some people get along just fine with credit cards. This message is not for you. Um, (laughs) This is for the person who, and I think I talked a little bit earlier about how, what's the point of paying off your debt if you can't get through the month without using new debt? And I also really, truly believe in simplicity. So a lot of times I'll talk to a woman who has a few different credit cards taken out and on one, her Amazon Prime auto you know, payments are coming out and on the other, her Netflix and Hulu. And so there's these memberships and subscriptions and payments that kind of just get added over time to the different cards. And we just don't even know what we're spending money on anymore. We don't feel like we can close any of the cards because, well, we might lose this subscription. It's just, it feels like we, dare I say, we get a little bit lazy and just let it go. But instead, what we actually need to be doing is getting super simplified 
and say, I know exactly what's happening next month. I'm planning my dollars in this way. Instead of saying, well, so much money was spent last month on the credit cards and I have this month, this much, this month to pay that off. But you have no idea what the dollars are going to. It's just paying off a chunk, probably not all, but a chunk of what you've already spent. And so when you break up with your credit cards, when you simplify by putting all of your automated expenses on your debit card, then we can actually plan for the month ahead before the money even leaves our checking account. And we don't get into this cycle of playing catch up every single month, paying off what we did last month and not actually really knowing what it was for. Makes sense. So we need to take a quick break and Terry is going to read a word from our sponsor, Learning RX. And when we come back, I want to talk more about some of the ways that um, our listeners can begin to break up with their credit cards if they do have a contentious relationship with them. Are you concerned about your child's reading or spelling performance? Are you worried your child's reading curriculum isn't thorough enough? Well, most learning struggles aren't the result of poor curriculum or, or instruction. They're typically caused by having cognitive skills that need to be strengthened. Skills like auditory processing, memory, and processing speed. Learning RX one-on-one brain training programs are designed to target and strengthen the skills that we rely on for reading, spelling, writing, and learning. Learning RX can help you identify which skills may be keeping your child from performing their best. In fact, they've worked with more than 100,000 children and adults who wanted to think and perform better. They'd like to help get your child on the path to a brighter and more confident future. Give Learning RX a call at 866-BRAIN-01 or visit learningrx.com. That's learningrx.com. And we're back talking to Katie Almstrom about creating a sustainable and joyful debt-free journey. And so let's talk a little bit about what listeners can do today if they want to start that process of breaking up with their credit cards. All right. Yeah. So, and credit cards, of course, are just one part of the debt-free journey, but I find very often they're the most stressful because they're often the highest interest and that really can... um, raise the anxiety level for people. So the first thing that I like to do is think about why we're using credit cards. And so an activity that I'll do with my with my clients, with people in my community, is to think about the last time you used your credit card. And a lot of people immediately say, I don't know, it was probably automated. But think about the last time you actually took it out and used it or entered the number in your computer to purchase something online. And once you've identified what the thing is, now answer the question, why? Why did I use a credit card to purchase this item? And so the responses vary. But usually what it boils down to, especially as I sort of peel back the layers, are we're using it out of necessity because there's not enough money in our checking account, right? And the reason we're using it out of necessity is a lack of planning, right? So we are, we're out of money in our checking account because we've spent it on other things and now we feel like we must use our credit card because of a lack of planning. 
Another time that people use your credit card is out of convenience because it is the first thing they see when they open their wallet. It's very convenient. It is something that they can just quickly have entered into their computer or in their phone. And so when they order food online or do anything with their phone, it automatically recognizes your device and you stick your um, fingerprint on the back of your phone and boom, it's paid for, right? And so it's very convenient because we have that card loaded. It's sticking there right in our wallet. It's easy to grab. And so convenience is expensive. Um, convenience might be, well, we went through drive through right? What did we buy? We went through drive through We bought something on Amazon really quick. It was convenient. It was right there. It was easy. All of it is very easy and convenient. Um, and so that is, that is one thing to identify. Am I doing this out of necessity because I feel I don't actually have the money? Or am I doing this out of convenience because it is what is easy and in the moment available to me right now? So once you've sort of identified that, then we need to say, okay, so if nothing changed next month, what would you spend on your credit card? What kinds of purchases would you make with your credit card if you made no changes? And actually going through that process of thinking it through, you might go back and look at a month or two of statements and see, what did I use the credit card for? You might actually create a budget, which is one of the ways, one of the nine ways to break up with your credit cards. Actually make a plan for next month. How do you intend to spend every dollar of your income? And how is that similar or different to what you've done the last couple of months? But I think that awareness and just thinking through, why do I use it in the first place um, is a really important question to, to work through. Absolutely. What do you say about people who use credit cards because they earn free airline miles or free dollars back for their kids' college? Or like, do you support that? Do you think there's a benefit to doing that? What, what is your stance on that? I don't support that. Um, number one, because those systems, those games are set up for the credit card companies to win. They're like Vegas. Um, there is no way that the credit card companies are creating these programs so that you end up win winning, winning the game, so to speak. Now, that being said, there are people who argue that and say, no, I really do win. Okay, fine. Again, this is not for you, this message. <laughs> um, but that is just as another way to simplify is to just eliminate the games. You know, think about when you go shopping and it says, spend another $16.53 and you'll get free shipping. I do and, it all the time. Yeah. So, but the shipping was only $8.99. And now you've bought something quickly because you only had 15 seconds to buy something or whatever, <laughs> you know. So, um, again, it's not wrong. But if that is why you're still using credit cards, then we need to really, uh, we need to start from the beginning. You know, like what's important here? Um, the other thing with that, too, is that there's been a lot of research that shows that we will spend on average 18, um, 16 to 18% more when we're using a credit card than cash or debit card, and up to 100% more when we're using a credit card. And you probably know this. I mean, the pain center in the brain does not even light up a bit when you use a credit card. It does with a debit card and it really does with cash, right? It physically hurts us to hand over cash. Yeah. 
but you have to say goodbye to the cash. They don't give it back to you when you're done paying. The credit card you get to keep. <laughs> and so the debit card is kind of an in-between because it's connected to actual cash. Um, but it, it, it does activate the pain center in the brain somewhat. Credit cards, not at all, is what we've seen. So that right there shows me that you're probably going to spend way more money anyway. And so those points are just that, you know, you're, you're making back really nothing. I would challenge you instead to make a budget, right? Make a plan, simplify, forget about the credit cards for a few months, and just see if you can save up the money for those airline tickets um, without going through all the hoops of spending enough money to get points back. That's, that's great wisdom. Yeah, I think, like you said, let's be realistic, people. I mean, I think there are there are rare people, rare situations where people have the discipline to do that. But obviously, the credit card companies are making money on this. So for most people, it's not going to work out in our favor. So that's, that's so good. Yeah, I want totally. And I was just going to say one more thing. Um, there's a financial guru, Dave Ramsey, and something he says is that credit cards are like the cigarettes of the financial industry. Sure, some people will smoke their whole lives and be fine. But are you really going to like suggest that someone pick up smoking? <laughs> Terry, Terry actually used to work for Dave Ramsey. So. Yeah. Did you really? Years and years and years ago when he first was publishing his very first book. Yeah. <laughs> cool. I was a Ramsey preferred coach for uh, quite a long time too. So yeah, a lot of good wisdom there. So much. Yeah. A lot of good wisdom I had in my head and I wasn't following it as a young, <laughs> a young newlywed. So yeah, definitely got wiser as the years went on. I want to ask a real specific question, um, kind of two parts, but um, I've got a lot of student debt. I went back to school, student loans. I went back to school as an adult, got a master's degree. And so I've got student loans. Um, I thought it was 80,000. It's not that bad. 65,000. That's still, I mean, that is a ridiculously high number. And they're, they vary. I've got one of them that it's at like 7% and then like three or four more at 5%. And it's because they were taken out at different semesters. Um, I don't know about consolidating that. I get offers like once a week, I'll get something in the mail and I'm so scared to follow up on it because I'm worried it's a scam. Um, Cause right now I have my student loans through sort of this federal program, Nelnet. And I just keep wondering, is that something I should do? Consolidate, refinance to put them all into something with a lower rate. What's your perspective on dealing with debt in that way? Even like with a credit card, you've got a couple of credit cards that are at like 20%. What about, you know, refinancing them, consolidating them with one of these offers that says you get 0% interest for the first 12 months. Give me some advice in that, in those areas. Yeah, so I think with something like that, they are very appealing. Um, a lot of times there is sort of that time limit. Um, and in the in the act of making that decision, doing that kind of consolidation, it feels like you're really taking action. It feels like you're really doing something about this. When in reality, you're not. You're not doing anything, really. Um, you're, not, you're not paying them off. You're not, um, you know changing your behaviors, you're not putting a budget together, you're not really making a plan. 
And so I think that first and foremost is the danger in it is just saying, we're going to do this thing. And then we're going to check the box of dealt with student loans. When in reality, if you choose to go that route, and in some instances, it might be a really good option, have it be a small piece of the bigger plan. And so commit to, okay, if we do this, we're also going to make sure that we can, you know, uh, pay them off by the time the 12 month time limit runs out on the 0% or whatever it is. Um, Same thing with credit cards. I mean, if you look at the credit cards and you can make a plan to pay something off in a year or two, the interest probably won't be that big of a deal. If you consolidate and ignore it for the 12 months that it's at 0% and continue your behaviors and continue to add more debt, now you wind up with a higher interest rate when the 12 months goes up, more debt that you added because you felt like you dealt with the credit cards And so you kind of just wind up in a worse position anyway. So the answer would be possibly, but make it part of the big picture plan. Have it just be one aspect of what you plan to do moving forward to take care of them. Okay. That's good. Yeah. Got to deal with the root cause before I just think everything's going to be solved by solving a symptom. Yeah. Or not even the root cause, but, you know, how do we really take action on this, you know, and not telling ourselves that doing a rollover or doing a consolidation is the action, right? It is just part of the process, potentially. Okay. And that makes a difference psychologically, for sure. Yeah. Right. Yes. Well, what next, Amy? Did you have one? Do you have a question? No, um, we are running out of time, but I do, uh, Katie, I do want you to tell our listeners about your coaching program. Yes. Awesome. So right now, what I'm offering is a two-hour intensive coaching session. And the reason I'm doing that is because I think a lot of people feel like they, once once I have a, a really deep coaching conversation with someone, they feel like I want to go do this work. They're really fired up. They feel like they've got this plan. They know what to take action on for the next 60 to 90 days. And they just want to go and do it. Sometimes what is the hardest part here, and Terry, you might relate to this with the student loan situation is you just haven't created the time or space to actually look at the numbers do some research, talk it through, see what makes sense. And so to kind of, to put this plan together that really feels aligned and good and makes sense. Now it's like, okay, I want to run. I want to do this. I want to try this. And then of course we can do the, um, we can do ongoing coaching. You can do another intensive a few months later, but I really think that I do my best work with new clients when we dig deep for a couple of hours and you walk away with an amazing plan that is totally unique to your circumstances. So that's what I'm offering right now. And it's really fun. Okay. Awesome. And people find out about about that on your website. People find out about that in my Facebook group. So I spend the most time in my Facebook group, which is the Simplified Budget. And of course, I realize not everyone is on Facebook, um, but you can easily get in touch with me by downloading the freebie that's available, available, nine nine ways to jump into that. 
<laughs> you will have my email <laughs> and the Facebook group also. And I can be found on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. There's a lot of ways to connect with me. Okay. Right. We had a teeny little, a teeny little uh, technical glitch in there, but I think we still were able to, to follow what you were talking about. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. So this has been super enlightening and full of some really great advice today. Um, and so we want to thank our guest, Katie Almstrom, for sharing her insights and tips for moms. If you would like to connect with Katie or learn more about her coaching program, you can visit her on Facebook at The Simplified Budget. We'll also put her social media handles and link to her Facebook group and a link to download her free resource, Nine Ways to Break Up with Your Credit Cards, in the show notes. So thank you so much for listening today. If you liked our show, we would love it if you would leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. If you would rather watch us, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow us on social media at The Brainy Moms. So look, until next time, we know you're busy moms and we're busy moms. So we're out. See ya.